guys welcome back today on love that for you podcast we i am talking with um a girl named sophia um she runs sophia the postgraduate blogger so she is a blog and she went to grad school and ended up leaving grad school because it wasn't for her but actually how she came about is i was looking for help with my blog wordpress and she was one of my she's a follower of mine she reached out to me to help and then i ended up checking out her profile which i usually do um, and she, on her bio, it says struggling with post-graduation, check out my blog for the best career, mental health, finance tips. She talks a ton about imposter syndrome. So I wanted to bring her on the podcast to talk about imposter syndrome, um, just really what that is, how people have that, what it looks like if you do and how to overcome it. Um, and I think it's something that we talk about and it's so common in everyone. It's so common in like all of us. Um, so we really just go into that and we, I had, um, a question box on my Instagram where a lot of you guys sent in your personal questions. So at the end of the episode, we answer a few personal questions for her as kind of like her life coach stage because she really, um, portrays herself as a life coach and that's kind of her, one of her goals. So, um, that is what we talk about today on the podcast and I'm going to just jump right into it and introduce you guys to Sophia. What kind of, what other podcasts have you been on? So I've been on one, uh, it's called, I really should get the, the name straight. It's called, uh, I need to triple check, but it's an academia one. Um, okay. It's about like PhD students and stuff. So they interviewed gotcha. me for that like a week ago. Um, cool. And then there's other ones I've been like interested in. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not like, I've never really done podcasts a lot. Yeah. But I feel like that's the vibe these days. I, I feel more comfortable talking than you know, writing as much. Totally. But. Yeah. Um, okay. So why don't we start out by you just giving us like a little background about you, your career and like where you're from. Um, so for everyone listening, um, I gave a little intro about Sophia before, but you can just kind of tell everyone from your own words. Yeah. Uh, so my name's Sophia and, uh, I currently live in Atlanta, Georgia, but I'm from Northern Virginia. So about like 30 minutes outside DC or if people are familiar, the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Totally, yeah. Um, and and uh, so yeah, I moved here for graduate school. No longer in graduate school anymore. Um, a year later, but currently I work uh, freelance as a web designer and lifestyle blogger while I'm doing some job seeking on the side. So, so cool. So you moved for grad school and you still live there, but obviously you're not in grad school anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. So why don't you kind of go over a little bit about like yourself? I know you had mentioned to me before a few like facts about you and just so people can kind of get to know you before we go into like the full thick of the episode. Okay. Yeah. I can share a few uh, fun facts about myself. Uh, these, some of these are really goofy, but uh, one, I drive manual. I love driving stick. Okay. I learned too, I learned... which is so funny because so many, <laughs> really? so many people like don't know how to do that. And I'm like, my parents made all of our, my siblings learn when we were younger. And now I kind of am like glad that we know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's such a valuable skill. My aunt taught me cause she was going to give me uh, her old car. So I yeah. actually learned on like a super old 2001 Honda Accord. Uh, and then when I bought my first car last year, I was like, let me upgrade. But then I, um, I still got a manual because I was so used to driving it. So oh, that's awesome. A bit more sporty now. Yeah. Um, and another fact, I'm a huge, huge nerd. Um, and so my parents who are like big computer geeks, uh, they were like, Oh, you should learn coding. So when I was 12, uh, I built my first website. It was, I can't find it anymore. <laughs> it's super lame and basic. <laughs> so cool though. Um, 
Yeah, I still, I guess it carries over today with how much I love like uh, building websites design wise. Um, also, when I was a teenager, I attempted to email Nick Jonas confessing my love. <laughs> oh my um, gosh, I love that. Address. <laughs> a fake <laughs> email so address? Fake email addresses for celebrities. So, yeah. Oh my God, I don't yeah. think it was like his actual one. Of course, I so yeah. Upset. I was like, why won't he email me back? <laughs> That's so cute. It's so funny. And then uh, another fun fact, I am very productive at night. I feel like that's when Hmm. my brain just works the fastest. I'm always like up and running. And, you know, uh, when I write for my blog, I feel like the best blog posts I write are like past midnight or 1 a.m. Yeah. So that's so funny you say that because I feel like personally, I, I mean, I'm not productive at night, but my mind, like when I'm laying in bed is always like, oh, I have this thought and this thought and I have to like write it down immediately, but I never like in the mood to like actually do it. So do you feel like you're like working at night? It depends. Yeah. If I have an idea that's really good, I'll probably run with it. If it's too late and I'm tired, I'll like jot it down like you do. Totally. Um, but if I'm wide awake, I will get to it yeah. and stay up pretty late, try to finish it. That's awesome. I've never been able to do that. So. <laughs> and one last fun fact. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I have never been able to whistle in my life. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Those are like really good, like thoughtful, fun facts, I feel like, which I appreciate (laughs) yeah um so I guess we can kind of get into first I wanted to ask you why I think everyone wants to know why grad school wasn't for you and I think I'm sure it's not for everyone and not for a lot of people but obviously you chose to like go start that so like what was a reason that you wanted to go to grad school and like kind of why did it not work out and do you feel like it was for the better yeah of course uh so I'd say I, I started so I got my bachelor's in electrical engineering um and I wanted to sort of like drift to a different kind of engineering discipline. So uh, I had done some research opportunities as a undergraduate. And then a lot of professors were like, you're really good at research. You should try it out. You should, you know, get a PhD. You should uh, go to graduate school and and do a bunch of research. So I never really, I just sort of took the advice of other people of what they said I was good at and never really, you know, thought about like, what do I want to do as a career? Uh, Why am I going to graduate school? Uh, so I definitely went out on a limb and, you know, applied, uh, got an offer uh, to one of the, at least for, for my degree that I was studying, it was like top three, top two in the country. So you're like, this like, is awesome. This up? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think I came in with that attitude. And then a year later, I just uh, did a lot of reflection of, you know, it was a rough year mental health wise, just going through, you know, moving away for the first time. I had a breakup, you know, shortly after I moved here, uh, COVID started. So it's just a lot of things going on at once. Right. It was a really, really heavy year. Um, and then I didn't, like I said before, I didn't have an end goal of what I wanted to do with a PhD. So I think that was very, uh, a telltale sign of, do I belong here? Should I be here? What am I doing right. for these five years? Like, uh, is this what I want to do? Um, and then I think around the time that I was thinking of leaving, I thought about all these different possibilities for my career that I had never considered. Um, so things like, oh, okay, I could go off and be a freelance web designer if I wanted to, or, oh, why not try software engineering? Right. Or so many like endless, journalism? yeah, endless possibilities. What was the, so you said yeah. you were, um, what kind of engineering originally? Electrical engineering. Okay. So what would that like? what would be a job that you would have done if you had pursued that? Oh, why? It would be stuff like, 
working in microelectronics, okay. uh, signals and systems, so communications. Right. So basically figuring out how phones work, uh, making oh laptops, any sort of electronic device. It's like so above uh, my head. Electrical engineering is very broad. <laughs> yeah, something I literally couldn't do. Yeah, so. I, did, I did not like it. Yeah. I was fairly good at it, but I didn't like my degree very right. much. Right, which is like... So no reason to be in something that you're I mean I get like being good at something and I think the fact that you like took the opportunity to like pursue that is really cool but then at the end of the day if it's like not something you like don't do it right exactly yeah yeah I think I was a little too late in my undergraduate degree to like sort of turn back and say I figured out I didn't like it around my third or fourth year and I was sort of like this is too late for me to um yeah switch majors so I just sort of gripped my teeth and went through it but then with this graduate degree, I was like, okay, I'm in year one out of five or six. And I know early on, I don't like this kind of lifestyle. So, you know, might as well, you know, right. uh, take a different route. Yeah. Did you ever think about content? Could you have like, I don't know if, I mean, I, my husband's in grad school right now and I'm not, but I don't know if like, could you have switched grad school like majors or was it either like you finished that or you don't? I think I could have switched. I yeah. could have switched uh, programs. I should. I could have switched uh, labs or whatever I'm, I'm researching. I could have switched schools if I wanted to. Totally. But I think I was definitely schooled out. Yeah. You know, going from undergrad to graduate school. Yeah, like right away. Such a, I'm like, I'm never going yeah. back to school <laughs> ever. <laughs> oh, my husband's been in. Uh, he's getting an MBA and he's been in for like a year and a half. And it's uh-huh. just like, I mean, it's not as much work as I'm sure what you were doing, but it's just like. He's doing something every night. Yeah. And it's just like, obviously he has a full-time job as well. So it's like so much work. Okay. So to get into like most of what we were going to talk about um, for the episode, I know you talk a lot about imposter syndrome and honestly, I don't even know if I fully understand what that is or like, I think a lot of the questions I'd gotten from um, some of my followers were like, one of the main ones is like, what is that? Um, And I know you talk about that a lot. So would you be able to just like explain that in your own words or however you want to everyone yeah i can um i searched up i wanted to clarify on the definition beforehand so i definitely like did a little bit of research Mm -hmm. um so uh, imposter syndrome is uh essentially a feeling that you get when you're doubting your your talents your skills your accomplishments and you have this internalized fear of oh i'm a fraud um so uh i think when it comes to like what I talk about on my blog and then, you know, what I experience in my own life, uh, imposter syndrome uh, definitely showed up when I first started graduate school. Uh, it shows up when uh, you're applying to jobs. It shows up when it comes to your relationships, whether they're romantic or, uh, or platonic friendships. So mm-hmm. um, I describe it as uh, you sort of feel like you don't belong or that you don't deserve this or uh, you're not good enough for this opportunity. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. say that some of it is external factors that sometimes it's the environment around you that makes you feel that way. So for example, if you're a woman and you're in a you know male dominated industry, you might feel like, oh my gosh, I probably don't feel like I belong in this industry or I must be a fraud or all these men around me must think that, you right. know, um, they only gave me this job because I'm a woman, for example. Um, so uh, another thing that I think of that could be the cause is like internal sort of self-love. 
So if we love and if we love ourselves and affirm our abilities, we're less likely to believe that we're imposters versus, you know, if we're just nitpicking everything we do and we're perfectionists or, you know, um, or let's say we have a lot of negative self-talk that can definitely breed imposter syndrome to just like pick at your brain and your Mm -hmm. thoughts all the time. So if you hear thoughts like I'm not good enough or I shouldn't be here, I don't deserve to be here, I don't deserve to get this promotion at work or um, that's, I feel like the embodiment of like imposter syndrome in your life. Right. Like almost feeling like, I guess like you're not good enough and you should have something different because of like your surroundings. Um, I know you said there was like a part of your life where you felt this. Um, what was that like? Like what kind of brought that on for you? Cause I feel like this happens a lot. Like to me in certain situations but I almost like don't even realize that it's happening and I feel like a lot of people are like oh like wait do I have this or like is this happening to me and like it's almost hard to like even realize yeah yeah I can definitely relate to that I say um especially in graduate school being around being in such a competitive program and then also being around other people totally who are also competitive it was very hard to come in and feel like oh my gosh like everyone else has this kind of educational background or they have this much research experience or they know these skills and I don't. So do I really belong here? Um, And specifically in the most recent few months as I've been doing job searching, it feels like, you know, when coming into an interview and they tell you, okay, tell me about yourself. Uh, It can show up as selling yourself short. So me sort of drawing back on my accomplishments and not um, talking about them. Um, So that's, one thing that shows up yeah and it's really hard to sort of feel like you know do I deserve this job for example if they offered it to me like would I feel like I deserved it um do I feel like I'm good enough for this position um and then once you're actually in the position it's not like the imposter syndrome goes away right it's uh it could be very much you projecting on everyone around you uh how they feel about you so you know, someone could look at you funny and you might think, oh, shoot, they're looking at me because yeah. they think I don't belong here. They don't think I'm smart enough or beautiful enough. It's like those are like the things that you like you say that about somebody, but it's really like, well, that's probably what you're thinking about yourself and you're portraying mm-hmm. it on other people. But it's so hard to like realize that like these are internal thoughts that don't necessarily even mean anything. So, yeah, I, I feel like that's really hard. And what do you think that's like all brought on by? Like, do you think that it's because of something that people have this imposter syndrome or do you think it's just like a natural thing that occurs? (laughs) That's a great question. I always wonder that myself. I think it's, uh, some of it could be, uh, like past experiences, um, with others, whether it's your family, friends, strangers that sort of instills that self doubt, self doubt within you. Right. Um, or it could just, but I think it's a natural human, you know, feeling. Yeah. I think it's completely natural to feel that way. But I think that uh, some predispositions or your environment can make you more prone to it. Um, so, for example, like back to the example I gave previously, like yeah. if you're a woman and you're in a field where there's other women around you, you might not feel right. that imposter syndrome as much as if you felt it in that uh, previous situation with like a male dominated industry or field. Yeah. So I feel like it would still be like, like you may still have those self doubts, but, but they, but they might be more like present in your thoughts if you're 
in the first scenario versus the second. Right. And in the second one, you feel a lot more validated. Yeah, you feel like um, comfortable and also, related to other people who are like doing what you're doing. So I get that. Yeah. So I'm not really sure um, how to solve it, but I think it takes a lot of therapy, mm-hmm. one, or, or counseling, and then also a lot of self-love, affirmations, uh, telling yourself that, you know, you're worthy. And then also I think it really helps to reflect on your accomplishments. Um, I think it's very great to write down and remind yourself like what you're actually good at and, you know, what you've done in the past. And sometimes we tend to forget those things. Like I can overlook all the things I've achieved in the past four years of my college career. And I did a lot of things and I just completely wipe it out of my memory and can shame myself for where I'm at right Right. now. So I think it's like, it's, I'm like happy you said that because I go through that all the time with like my work where it's like, I think other people deal with this too. Um, where it's like, there's so many things that I'm doing in my life. And then like at the end of the day, it's like, I still have to like, I look past all of those like good things and I'm like, oh, well, I didn't do enough because there's like this, what I'm doing right now. And I can't seem to like get that done. Just yeah. super weird. <laughs> That's not the best feeling. Yeah. I know that you talk a little bit about like on your blog, it talks about being an advocate for like mental wellness. Um, talk a little bit about like that and like kind of how you got to that point and like why, I guess like explain like more about like what your blog is and like how that came upon. Yeah, yeah. I can touch on your last question first. Yeah. Cause Sorry, sort of go for one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Uh, but my blog, The Good Graduate, uh, I started it, I came up with the idea after I graduated from college uh, because I wanted to talk about and sort of journal and, and chronicle my adult life post-college. Uh, so it has nothing to do with graduate school, right. whatever people would like to think. Um, but I came up with the idea, but I didn't actually start on it until I moved to Atlanta and started graduate school. and. Okay. I remember like going through that breakup and going through such a hard, dark time. And I was like, I need some way to channel this positively. So let me just, you know, buy a domain name and start this blog. Yeah. Um, so when I was thinking of sort of what my mission statement would be, and you know, what my goal would be as a blog, um, a lot of important things like finances, career. Yes, those are all important to being an adult. Very important. Um, but things like mental wellness and just mental health in general. I feel like it's not talked about enough totally. as an adult because, you know, you can have the flashiest job and the fanciest car, the most money, but, you know, what's going on internally and how does that reflect in your daily life? Right. So I wanted to touch on that to sort of reflect uh, what I think is very important and core to being a healthy and functional adult. And part of that was, you know, mental health and, um, so I went through my own journey of discovering why it was important. Um, I had never gone to therapy in my life, yeah. but as soon as I moved here and started grad school, I was just breaking down, always crying, holding myself up inside my room, and I finally reached out and you know and sought for resources. Uh, luckily, they were free on campus, but I started group counseling at first, and uh, it was hard to get used to, but I think it was the breakthrough I needed to realize how important it was to tend to my mental health and uh I think sometimes we want to do that self-help kind of thing we want right. to no, you know not ask other people for assistance and so we'll buy all the self-help books we'll do as much meditation and yoga and exercise as possible or we'll try to eat healthy and 
uh, and maybe, you know, journal every day. Yeah. Um, and that's perfectly fine. I think that's great for the majority of people, but also sometime in your life, there may be a point where you need extra help. And I think it's okay to seek external services and assistance. Yeah. I think like, that's the point that I came to. Right. Like now, I mean, there's always times where I'm like talking to my husband about like things and I'm like, I love talking to him and it's great, but there's also a certain point where it's like, I don't need to be bothering him with certain things that like, he's not going to fix them for me. And I used to go to therapy for anxiety like a long time ago and it's been so long, but now I'm like, okay, I need to go back and like do this for myself. Like talking to somebody else on like that doesn't know you and that like, I feel like you can go and be like, there can literally be zero judgment here because like, I don't know you, you don't know me kind of thing. So I always like tell people that like, it's just such a different experience when you talk to someone who's like literally just there to help. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give, I guess, advice and like three tips to anyone listening, kind of like what it's like, how to be an advocate for mental illness, mental illness, mental wellness. Um, And like, I guess just like tips you have for other people who are struggling with this whole thing as imposter syndrome or mental health or anything. So my biggest piece of advice would actually have to be um, be open and honest about your mental health journey because honesty goes such a long way. And when you're honest with your friends and with your family, um, I feel like it's a lot easier to be open with your friends, obviously. But uh, when you're open to your friends or just the people around you about your mental health journey, that offers them the opportunity to talk about theirs. And to sort of, you know, tell people that they're not alone in whatever they struggle with. So if you struggle with chronic anxiety, like that's not something to be ashamed of or to be embarrassed of, but that can be such a a powerful moment for you to accept yourself. And then also to provide that platform for other people to feel open to talking about their experiences with anxiety as well. Um, So I guess my top three tips would have to be one, to. Uh, don't not be afraid to ask for help in whatever way or whenever you need it. Like that's like the um, hardest to, thing for people too. like to not ask for or to ask for help. Like people like struggle with that so much. Exactly. That's I think it's very you got to humble yourself a little bit. Yeah. To, and be like, it's fine and, and that you don't have all the answers. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then two, I would have to say uh, fighting against mental illness stigma in your own life and in the people around you. Um, so I guess that goes, that ties back into my first piece of advice about like being open about talking about your own mental health Mm -hmm. struggles. Um, but then also actively fighting against the stigma. Like if you don't experience depression, anxiety, or all these other mental illnesses yourself, still you should be an active advocate for speaking out, you know, and validating that they exist and validating that, you know, that they are, you know, um, that it's okay to seek help for them and everything. So I think it's, so personally, uh, I have ADHD and it was really hard to accept that, um, and to be open about it. But then I've realized that, uh, you know, I can still be an advocate for it, whether I'm open about my experience or not. And then actively fight against stigma that would like to, you know, make you feel as, make you feel other because of, you know, your mental health struggles. Totally. Um, I love that third tip. Talking about depression. Yeah, Yeah. I love that because I feel like there's so many people like, um, even in my family who are like, oh, I don't, I don't know what anxiety is. Like, I don't deal with that. Like, and I'm like, that's amazing. Um, And it kind of makes you feel like you're a little bit less. And also if they would have just been like, 
you know, if they understand that it's still happening, even if you don't have those problems, like it's so prevalent in like so many people. Um, so I love that tip, just like kind of being understanding that this is a big problem and this is like something people deal with all the time. Um, yeah, I love that one. Yeah. Off of that point, um, it's really interesting how some people like to say like, oh, I've never felt this way before, but I think it's, if you understand the mental health uh, like vocabulary and that kind of sphere, you'll understand that there's a difference between something being a disorder or something being like chronic right. and you experiencing you know, a symptom of that, yeah. for example. Like if you feel anxiety, that doesn't mean that you have chronic right. or generalized anxiety disorder. Right. And I think that things become a disorder when they start affecting your daily life mm-hmm. and inhibiting your ability to uh, to achieve your best. So there's, it's okay to feel depressed sometimes and it's okay to feel, you know, anxiety. And it's also okay to have these disorders that, you know, perhaps make you more uh, chemically or genetically inclined to have, you know, depression or to have schizophrenia or to have all these other different conditions. Yeah. So I think it's, it's okay to, I think that allows people to sort of relate to where you're coming from if they acknowledge that, uh, oh, wow. I've experienced, yeah. you know, what it's like to have anxiety myself. Yeah. So that can make me at least a little bit understand where you're coming from if, you know, if you have generalized anxiety disorder. Right. So it's interesting. All a bit more understanding. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because my brother, my older brother had reached out to me like a week or two ago and he was like, Jewel, like I ha- I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like having anxiety and I almost had like a panic attack over like not even really sure what brought it on because he was like, I was sleeping and he's like, now you understand like yeah. what you used to feel all the time. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, he's like, it's horrible. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm glad that you obviously like that you understand and you know that that's a feeling. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't need to worry. It's not like something that's going to keep happening to you all the time. But now that you had the feeling you can like, right what you're saying is like being out of get for and like understand what people go through and that it's like it's totally normal yeah just empathizing a little bit more yeah <laughs> and then um go ahead i i have one last tip yeah. which was to prioritize your wellness above all um and i think you can't deliver your best if you're not feeling your best so sometimes we can be so easily uh it's so easy to be advocates and to fight for other people and you know how they're feeling and their wellness but i think it's so important to set our wellness first you know above everything else because otherwise you can't really pour out to others you can't really you know assist other people well around you or even do your job correctly if you're not like feeling whole inside and within yourself yeah i think this is something we forget so often too like i feel like i'm like going about my normal day or you're so busy you have so many things going on and you realize like all these things you're doing are for other people and like it's so Mm -hmm. hard personally for me to take like a break from work because like i make my own hours so i'm like working all the time and then i'm like why do i feel like (laughs) this slump all the time and i'm like oh it's probably because i'm not putting myself first and like my body and my mental health and everything. And so I totally relate to that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so one last thing, and then we're going to get into like some questions. Um, but you talk about like transforming your finances. Um, and maybe you can just talk about like what you mean by that and like how this kind of goes into what we've been talking about the whole time. Yeah, of course. Uh, so when I talk about transforming finances, I think about it as so shifting your mind mindset about money uh, in order to reach your financial goals. So for example, if you wanna accumulate wealth or even just achieve financial security in life, 
um, you need to change your perspective about saving, about investing, spending, and even earning. Um, and so personally, uh, when I was in college, I worked all these jobs just because I, I wanted to have extra spending money. I spent every dollar I made mm. on foods, clothes. I did the uh, same thing. Clothes, <laughs> unnecessary things, and, you know, alcohol. Yeah, you know? yeah. And <laughs> so you just, you know, shell out the money. Um, and that's not everyone's experience. I'm very grateful that I didn't have to worry about using my finances to uh, pay for college. Totally. But yep. it's just, you know, it felt like I had that the attitude about money, that money equals things I can buy to just make myself right. feel happier in the moment. Uh, but then when I moved here, uh, my spending habits didn't coincide with what I wanted to achieve financially. So I didn't like my expensive high-rise apartment. I hated my new car payment that I had. Um, and I didn't know what to do with my leftover money from the paychecks I got. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the heck do I do with this? Uh, so I came across a few like personal finance YouTubers when I moved here. And I sort of just caught myself up on everything that I should have learned. You know, either as a kid or just, you know, throughout college. And some people learn these things earlier than others. Um, But I sort of, uh, when I moved here, I felt like an imposter in my finances because, you know, aren't adults supposed to have it all together? Aren't adults supposed to Oh my God, so many people relate to that, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, or knowing what to, you know, invest in or knowing how to save properly or how to cut your spending. Um, So I think that that was my sort of, journey where I ventured into personal finance and, and what it is and how it all ties in to your career and your mental your mental wellness. Um, so yeah, that was my own journey. Yeah. Um, and then after I sort of, you know, learned a lot about personal finance, became really passionate about it. Uh, I became motivated to reduce my expenses. I saved up for future goals. And then I was like, Oh, debt, everyone can relate to this. Let me pay off my debt and let me sort of take charge of that and feel more in control of my finances in that way. And so starting in like fall of 2019 is when I bought my car in May of 2019, started aggressively paying off debt uh, in the fall of 2019. And then I paid off my car completely by May of, by May or April of like this year. So that was $14,000. Must've felt so good. (laughs) Like paid off. (laughs) And I felt like that was the, it was like a nice little uh, launching pad right. to to sort of um, encourage others and then also to feel more secure of like, okay, like I'm not an imposter as an adult, you know, I can do this. Yeah. I, anything that I don't know about finances, I can learn and I can, you know, make mistakes, but then also come back from them. So sort of having grace with yourself along the journey. Um, and I think a lot of people when they're older, no matter what age you are, I feel like this is common in your 20s and 30s mm-hmm. of feeling like you're still a child. Yeah, don't have um, it together. Like yeah, a teenager. <laughs> yeah, and some people, like, you're just like, fake it till I make yeah. it. And, you know, but you don't have to have that kind of mindset around being an adult. And you can actually um, accept where you're at and then also not compare yourself to others. Because I think it's it's very easy to for me to compare myself to all these people who saved up, you know, right. throughout their whole lifetime, the little jobs that they did. And they're like yeah, I have, you know, this much of my savings and it's hard for me to be like, oh my gosh, am I... Yeah, am I on the know, wrong path? the right point? Yeah. Yeah, am I behind for my age? You know, um, I think that's a lot of, a lot of a feeling that a lot of people have, whether it's, you know, marriage or whether it's buying a house, having kids or just starting their career or starting school even, that people have the feeling of, oh, 
I'm either too old for this or I'm too young for this or um, sort of where do I fall along the spectrum? Um, and they sort of, you know, internally judge themselves for not being up to par to the standard, I guess, yeah. the status quo. I feel like I'm constantly doing this. And like, I think so many people could say the same. It's kind of like, I'm never like, I'm trying to like put it into words, but I feel like I'm always trying to compare. It's so hard not to compare yourself to other people. Yeah. And you're constantly like, it's never like you're at a good spot because you're constantly like, oh, well, what is it like? I'm like Googling, like how much money should I have at this point? Or like, should I be doing this? Like talking to my husband, like at what point do you think we should buy a house? And it's like, I need to, people, everyone should just realize that it's like, you can't compare yourself to others. And like, what is even the point in doing that? Because it's never going to be like a good feeling. Um, But it is really hard, I think, to overcome like the comparison especially with like social media and everything but that's so prevalent yeah I was wondering about that uh with you specifically as being an influencer and having a following and and growing it but then also having these other influences around you right um, oh my god every day it's a oh you're here and I'm here kind of thing and it's so hard to not do that cool I mean that's super important and like relatable and I think so many people deal with that all the time and it's so like not talked about and I don't know why it's not talked about so I'm glad that we're having that conversation um hopefully people like listening can relate but um there were so I'm gonna there were a few questions from people I'm just gonna go over a few um maybe you can answer as a life coach and give your best advice to all of them Somebody's asking kind of something that we basically had talked about, but they really want to know like how to overcome imposter syndrome. I'm a dental student and I feel like it's always um, encapsulating me. It's like, what would be your thoughts? That's a great question. Um, I wonder if she's saying I'm a dental student. I wonder if that's something she doesn't want to do. And that's why she's asking. So it's kind of a broad question, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I recommend to them to maybe first like uh, seek help or maybe ask like a mentor. Uh, I think that's a, a huge thing, especially when you're on a path like, oh, I want to be a dentist. I'm not there yet. Uh, or, you know, any sort of other medical provider. Uh, I'm not a dentist yet, but I want to be there. And there's all these people who are doing the same journey with me. And, you know, I don't know how I measure up compared to them. I think it would help uh, this person to find a mentor, whether it be a professor or, you know, another dentist that they know and maybe ask them like, Hey, did you struggle with this? How did you overcome it? Like, can you, uh, from your perspective, can you look at me and sort of affirm the different skill sets and strengths that I have? Um, or something as simple as like, uh, one thing I did in grad school is like forming like a little support group and talking to my peers about like, Hey, how do you feel this week? Do you still feel like an imposter this week? How strong is that feeling this week? Uh, have you talked to yourself nicely this week? Uh, so maybe forming that support group so that she knows that she's not alone and that there's other students who are probably feeling the same way yeah. and they want maybe an open space to uh, talk about it and maybe compare themselves less when they figure out that everyone's just trying their best here. So. Right. I think it's so hard for people to realize that like it's such a normal feeling and talking to other people like I think nine out of the 10 times somebody else is probably going to say, oh my God, I feel the same way. And then you're going to feel like a million times better about feeling that way. So I love that advice. I think that's hopefully helpful. (laughs) Somebody is asking how to identify imposter syndrome. I feel like we went over this a little bit, but 
what would you say that like really identifies that like maybe they're thinking that they have it and they're like oh do i it's kind of like they're questioning their own thoughts yeah uh i'd say i'm not an expert on totally this stuff. disclaimer uh, neither know. of us are experts <laughs> yeah so i would refer them to like maybe do do a google search on like how do i identify imposter syndrome in myself i read this one article um earlier about uh five different kinds that five different ways that imposter syndrome can show up in your life and you might identify with one of those five things like one of them was like being a perfectionist mm. And Me. some people may not even realize that their perfectionist habits may be a form of their imposter syndrome um, manifesting itself in their lives. Right. So I think uh, that article, if I could remember, I think it's just five ways that imposter syndrome shows up. I think that's what it's called. And uh, having articles or maybe uh, watching videos where people break down their experience. Yeah. I think if you hear other people voice their experience with imposter syndrome, you, you might be able to you know, uh, pick out pieces that you identify with. Yeah, totally. Um, this one is very relatable to you, I think. It says, first year of grad school, struggling with guilt whenever I break from studying. I don't know if you dealt with this at all, but she's struggling. <laughs> oh, so I su- I'm probably like the worst student <laughs> ever. I take so many breaks. I think I became a lot more laid back in grad school. Um, so I can't personally relate to this, but I have a lot of friends who do feel that, uh, who did and still feel that guilt mm-hmm. of, you know, oh, I'm taking a day off. Is that okay? Right. Um, or I do oh, that with I'm work all the time. My studies. Yeah. Yeah. And you may feel like, oh, am I doing enough? Like, is it okay that I take an hour off? Uh, and as far as the guilt, I think maybe just, uh, I think it would help to like schedule a time each week maybe where you, you know, don't study at all. So Something that I did in, in college uh, was one day a week, I would just do nothing related to school. And I would do other things, but I would just do nothing related to school. I wouldn't even go to campus to study. I wouldn't, if people wanted to do study groups on that day, I'd say no. I just studied before or afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe picking a day or even just a time frame on that specific day every week and building up that consistency of this is a time I'm setting aside to myself to you know, do something else other than something school related or, or studying. And I know that can be so hard, especially if you're in a demanding program, right. but so necessary so that you don't burn out. And I think that guilt that you feel, um, you're just going to have to get used to that feeling. Yeah. And I think it's about like exposure therapy. What you're saying is so on point because it's about like separating the study time and the break time. And once you can like separate those moments then I feel like you start to feel less guilty because you're like, oh, I spent all Monday doing absolutely nothing so that I knew that like Wednesday I would be spending three hours. Like it's just about like scheduling and like being organized about it. And I think that like helps break up the guilt a little bit, at least for me, when the guilt comes in, I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, I need to literally sit down and write everything down so that I can check things off off my list so that by the end of the week, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I feel guilt because I didn't get this, this, and this done. It's like, no, look at all the things that you did get done. So yeah, that's like another way to look at it too. Okay. What are some tips on how to leave a work stress at work and not bring it into a relationship? If I'm not sure if you've ever dealt with that, but this person wants your advice <laughs> dang well i've been the i've been there on the receiving end of it so okay. i can relate um it's a good perspective but i think finding someone else that you can vent to about work or, or maybe because i don't like the idea of like 
I get that compartmentalizing is important, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's very, it's very much uh, easier said than done totally. to leave work at work and don't bring it home. Right. And I think it takes a lot of processing and that in between. So maybe whether it's uh, you coming home from work and maybe say, Hey babe, can I have an hour to myself yeah. or maybe a half hour and maybe just de-stressing that way, maybe hitting the gym if you need to. Um, or maybe talking to a friend, or maybe that's when you have your scheduled therapy appointments. So finding some way to have that debrief period, um, because you know that can be really taxing on a partner for you to just continually, right. you know, bring home this uh, the stress that you're dealing with or anything that's going on at work. And not that it's bad to share those kinds of things, but um, I think it can be very poisonous to a relationship to always yeah. come with that. It's poisonous um, to, like, yourself to do that. If like, bringing work home. I mean, I think it's hard. Like, um, for me, I work – I mean, everyone's working at home right now. So I think that question is right. so relatable yeah. to right now because it's, like, how do you separate the two? Like, you just go into your other room and you work and then you leave the room and it's right there. It's not something that's easy to just separate in general. One thing that's helped is having, like, an office versus, like – you know, your bedroom or your living room area. Right. Um, I feel like that that helped me a lot. Uh, I'm not practicing that these days, but but once I get like a full-time job, I'm definitely going to try and practice that where I'm only sitting at my desk during the hours that I want to work and then sort of closing the laptop, going off and doing other things right. in other groups. Uh, I think especially working from home, I feel like that's important. And then just giving, you know, giving the other person space. Like once you're both done with your work days. Yeah. Have some alone time, debrief, um, process things, and then you can come together and, and sort of like enjoy your time together. Right. I feel like that's very healthy. Yeah. This one, I mean, some of these are just like notes, not even necessarily questions, but it says performance pressure, anxiety of underachieving, which um, I think we've talked about a little bit. I have definitely seen this in myself and also friends of, of people feeling like they're not doing enough. Yeah. Um, and I think especially when other people can look from the outside and tell you what the heck you're doing plenty uh then that shows that that performance anxiety is more internal right. thing and not something that someone else is is uh, pressing upon you totally um so i mean maybe it would help to set to just i like to redefine my standards for my achievements and what i do in a day or even in a week so if i'm so used to working like 150 percent and you have one day where let's say you're doing enough, let's say 100% right. is enough, but let's say you do 120, but your standards are so they keep, high. And they keep raising. Your, <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's just a very unrealistic thing to try and like consistently meet that every single time, yeah. that 150%. So maybe it's better to just like, uh, I, it takes a long time to do this, but I've tried to lower my expectations for myself, uh, not out of like, oh, it's because I'm not smart yeah. or productive enough to achieve that, but sort of like to have grace with myself. Mm-hmm. So setting it at a point where, you know, um, or you've achieved enough that, you know, okay is okay. I think that's so important to emphasize that like average or okay or, right. you know, half finishing your to-do list, that's okay. Yeah. And I think it you have to practice a lot of self-grace and accepting that there's days where you'll be on your – 150%, you'll be, you know, at your max horsepower. You're just, like, grinding away. And then other days where you're just super tired yeah. or exhausted or you can – it takes you an hour to crunch out an email, for example. Um, so just having grace with yourself 
when you're not able to be that 150 percent yeah and i know it's 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 hard easier said than done, but <laughs> yeah it takes a lot of practicing yeah um totally if there's okay. is there anything else that you wanted to say or touch on or anything i guess one last point that i wanted to use to encompass mm-hmm. um what i want to like tell the listeners yeah. is it's okay to not have everything figured out and i think that's a big lesson that i'm learning right now um that's okay to accept yourself uh where you are uh, because you can't like at the same time that you're accepting yourself where you are you can also still have goals for yourself and and you know advance towards those goals but then um i think i've just been accepting in my life that's okay to not have my whole life figured out and to have my whole plan or to you know hit the numbers each month um so yeah just having grace with yourself and with your journey and accepting that your life is your life yeah and, and you get no one, one of them life for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and you can't live someone else's life for them and and you know your journey is unique to you and your experiences um and yeah you get to define what success means to you yeah and I think that's very freeing uh to accept that awesome I love that I love that you ended on such a great note um so why don't you tell everyone where they can find you like on social medias and all of your plugins yeah well you can find me on instagram i just changed my handle to sophia the good graduate uh you can find me on twitter at the good graduate and then my blog thegoodgraduate.com i feel like it's a lot of or tgg for short maybe i should make a new logo to shorten it someday <laughs> but but it's really catchy some alliteration Um, so yeah, you can find me there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. So happy to have you here. Yeah, I really appreciate talking with you, Jules. Okay. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Sophia. Um, I love talking to her. She was super sweet and I'll leave her link to her bio and Instagram in the description below. Um, first week back out of Thanksgiving break and all of that. And I know it's tough to kind of get into the work mode. And I think a lot of what she says, a lot of her tips really relate to people and they can be just super helpful um, in when you're pursuing your career right now and, and anything that you do in life and just really realizing that where you are right now is totally okay and totally normal. Um, so I hope you guys got something out of the episode. I hope it was relatable to you and I hope that um, she was able to really bring some light to your day or week or whatever it is. So don't forget to follow us on Love That For You Pod on Instagram. Follow Sophia at Sophia the Good Graduate. I'll leave them below. And I hope you guys have a great week and I'll see you next week.